Hello everyone, I'm your host, Rachel Coombs-Renwick, and welcome to Discussions on Concussions podcast. This is our final part of our three-part series for International Women's Day, where we have a special panel of women with all fragile noggins, whether it's from a brain injury or chronic migraine. And before we dig into our final topic, let's do introductions one last time. Hi everyone, my name is Morgan. I'm a neuroscience researcher and migraine advocate, and I'm at Life with Migraine on Instagram. Hi everyone, I am Casey Ferguson. I'm the migraine nutritionist on Instagram, and I am a registered dietitian with migraine. Hello everyone, I'm Erica Renee. I am a TBI coach consultant, and my Instagram handle is Erica R Walker A78. Hi, I'm Beth. I'm a social worker and migraine advocate. Hi, I'm Shruti. I'm chronically me on Instagram and a migraine advocate. So our last topic of today is the female body with fragile noggin. And there's quite different aspects of this. We can talk about menstrual pain, our time of the month. It feels so different than it did before. And then another thing is just also our bodies of, you know, gaining weight can also be easier So let's start off with our menstrual cycles. Has anyone felt like with their head and their symptoms, just that time of the month, it's like, it's worse. Oh, Casey, you're raising your hand. Go for it. (laughs) And I'm making a crazy face. Um, Yeah, I have menstrually related migraine. I guess there's a separate diagnosis where it's like just menstrual migraine, but it's menstrually related. Um, And my week of my period, the whole seven days, completely disabled, total zombie. It's gotten better recently, but it's been killer. Like, can't do anything. I stopped planning things for that whole week every single month. Um, And yeah, now again, I've improved a little bit my migraine has kind of improved overall so the menstrually related migraine has also tamed a little bit but yeah it's i'm actually about to enter it right now and i'm already feeling like the whole body's aching like i'm constantly every day waking up on the edge of a migraine attack and it's just not fun (laughs) that's really all i had to say it's just not fun (laughs) i can so relate um i'm having a head head pain right now but i can do it's manageable but I'm about to come. I was like, it's well, Casey. So we're gonna we're kind of around the same um, time period. <laughs> yep. But um, no point, no point intended. But um, what I had pain is like I don't know what it is. It's like it's more hyper or something. I don't know. But I know for me, um, mine's a little bit heavier um, than my earlier years. My early early years, my um, injury, I noticed my periods were a lot worse and a lot heavier. But now that I'm getting a little older, I'm not old, but just a little older, um, they're, they're lightening up. However, my cramps, I wish they were lightening up too. They fell soup, but I'm <laughs> working on that. But I've, I've learned how to deal with um, those certain things such as what I eat. What you eat is a major, major, major part of your your um, your cycle and your cramps. In your mood, our moods. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Our moods, but again, what we eat is a, a, a benefactor to that. So now I'm trying something new. I'm eating more um, fruits and vegetables, and my mood is better. Um, get more water intake, and I feel better. So my current art is intense. It still hurts. I'm not saying the pain away. It still hurts. <laughs> Let me not say that. Let me add that it still hurts, but it's um as manageable. And at first I said take pills like every like clockworks every um. 
four, what was it? Every four hours you can take pills? I, I, I said timers. So I, went, so I would know. I could take it. So I can't take it now. So that's how bad they were. Now it's like I can go hours. Like I'm saying what you eat makes a bit major, major, a major impact on um, how you feel and see overall mood. So I've learned it as well throughout the years. I have one thing to say. Um, I totally agree, first of all, about what you eat as a dietitian, of course. Like I'm really passionate about that. But what you're saying about taking medication like every four hours, this is actually a question that I have for all of you. Um, if you do experience menstrually related migraine in any sort of way, I always I've been so frustrated with dealing with it because whenever I've asked physicians about this, they always tell me as an advice that they would give me is taking painkillers every single day of my period, whether it's, you know, over the counter or triptans. And it makes me really frustrated because I've experienced medication overuse headache and taking seven days of whatever medication in a row is just not realistic for me. So any thoughts on that? Oh, several. I think this is such an important topic because a lot of times, especially when you bring up menstrually related migraine or anything in the pelvic region, especially with someone that you're seeing maybe for your head or, you know, concussion, TBI or migraine, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't deal with that part of the body. Just take, just take some NSAIDs or some Tylenol, right? Like you'll be fine. Not realizing that that is directly interrelated. And so I think it's really hard as a patient to be an advocate for yourself, especially with something that you may feel a little bit taboo talking about, which you shouldn't. It's totally part of the normal female or anyone who lives with a uterus. It's part of life with a uterus. And saying, no, this is impacting my quality of life. I cannot take these pain meds for X, Y, Z. They are also not great for your digestive system and stomach. Like there's so many valid reasons for you not to want to take them and ask for a plan B. Say that you need more. I can give you some suggestions now just for people who are listening and want some things to talk about with their doctor. One is neuromodulation devices. There is no limit on the number of times that you can use them in a given month, so they don't run the risk of rebound and they don't have as many side effects. There's even one you can get without a prescription, so those are definitely something you can look into. Um, Also, magnesium. It's a supplement that you can take. Um, Magnesium 3 and 8 specifically looks like it's really helpful. Really safe to take. Most people in the general population are deficient in magnesium anyway, so running the risks of overdoing magnesium is extremely low. You can always get a quick blood test that's usually covered by insurance to check. Um, those are those are two things that I think most people can try with extreme safety. And if nothing else, if you want to just talk to your doctor about them, that's also a great avenue to open the conversation and see what other suggestions they might have. And Definitely bring this up with your neuro. Like sometimes you think that anything below your shoulders isn't worth mentioning to your neurologist or your GP that you're talking to about whatever head symptoms you might be having, but it's literally all directly connected. So be open, talk about it, bring an ally if you need help talking about it and bringing it up because I know sometimes it can be uncomfortable and a lot of us have been dismissed, but it's important. And I can say that I did not holistically feel better with my migraine attacks until I started talking about these aspects of my health. I have one tip uh, also that I just recognized as well. Um, eating eating less meat around that time also helps. I, I figured out. I went I went the whole month of January, not not this January, but last year, a meatless and no sugar because sugar hikes it up as well. Your cramp, your cramping, the pain wise. It heightens it up. So when I didn't eat meat, I didn't experience as much pain, nor did I beat as much. So there's also a, a tip there. So less meat, uh, less sugar as well. 
Uh, one thing I'll just say, I think that that's a great suggestion, but I will say I was vegan for five years and did not have any improvement. So I think everyone just has really individual needs. So try that out if that sounds interesting to you, of course, like it might be a really great decision, but that might not be the answer for you either. Ginger, in my experience, has helped ginger tea through every day and through your menstrual cycle as well. Um, I found that mine's gotten worse over the years. And so I take medication for mood disorder. And just during this week, my doctor kind of switches it up because I need something stronger. And it's just impacts, right? I don't know. It's just gotten worse after childbirth, after pregnancy. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on pregnancy and migraine. <sighs> You're coming back for that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we can do. And we just need to be open to exploring the possibilities and just figuring out what works for us because everyone has got different needs and our bodies re react very differently to medication or pretty much anything. So I think it's such a great point. And I don't know if other folks have experienced this. I know we all have different journeys of like when we were diagnosed or had our concussions or, or brain injuries. So uh, when it kind of became known, I know that for some migraine experiencers, like puberty can be a huge onset for different folks. There's, there's so much, but I know when I was in kind of like the worst few years with, with my migraine and concussions, it was always so bad that I wouldn't have been able to tell you that it was like worse at certain times. Like I didn't even have a sense of triggers for three years because it was just all, it was daily. It was so bad. Right. But as it's sort of like the volume lowered, I was able to see that nuance better. And now I can recognize like, okay, like, our 10 out of 10 migraines are more likely to happen a couple of days before you start menstruating. And I'm like, okay, I have that context now. For a split second, it's really scary because I know you all can relate to once you have it a bit more under control, bad flare-ups are really scary and really anxiety provoking because we have all worked our butts off to not be in the worst place anymore. And holistically, it takes so much effort that I know when I'm I'm in a 10 out of 10, sometimes it's really triggering for my anxiety and my depression because I go into the thoughts of like, is it getting worse? Is it coming back? Are we going to have to put life on pause again? And just kind of patching it to be like, okay, but where am I in my cycle? And then you do the quick math and you're like, okay, we're at the same time of the month that we have this like little crisis. It's not forever. This isn't necessarily like an indication of like awfulness to come this makes sense in the context of hormones in my body, I can ride it out a little bit easier, right? I have that reassurance of it's still painful. It's still not fun. 10 out of 10 would not recommend, but I know why it's happening now. And I can see that like trigger piece that in other seasons, like I just didn't have a sense of. Oh, exactly. And the thing is with every body being different, it, it, there's no harm in trying what works for yours. Any of the suggestions that we say today, it's like, oh, maybe I haven't tried that, but you know, maybe I will now. Or maybe I did five years ago and it didn't work for me then, but maybe I could try again now. And it's funny because you also have to think of not only what you're putting in your body for food, but for medicine. It's like, I, I had very awful periods when I was a teenager that what did my GP do? oh, let's stick you on birth control because that's the easy fix. 
And it wasn't until I was, you know, in my like early mid 20s that I just thought, okay, I've been on this for a long time. And what exactly am I putting in my body? And I started asking the questions. And I was inspired by my sister, who's definitely way more assertive than me. And she's a nurse. So when she goes into a healthcare appointment, she just goes, okay, let's cut the cut the BS. Let's get to the point. And I remember saying to my GP, I, I like my migraines are like daily at a 10 out of 10. And I feel like I'm on way too many medications right now. And I need to pull back. He just goes, Oh, you're still on birth control. Oh, yeah, this one. It's uh, really bad for people uh, with migraine. And I was like, excuse me. And I was just like, okay, thank goodness, like, okay, going off of this. But it's just so funny of, you know, they're overworked, they're tired, I get it. They don't feel the things that we do. But until you just point out and redirect some things, you you don't get that guide of like, oh, yeah, you should definitely cut that out. You should not be on that. And, you know, you, you make appointments like, if I'm with somebody else, like a some like a dietitian or a naturopath, other people where they can suggest like magnesium or omega three or try this supplement, it doesn't hurt to try and trial and error, see what works best for your body. You just made me think of when you were saying that, Rachel, like I remember when I got my 10th concussion in third year of my undergrad and uh like the, the, I got a really good physician at the university center that day. And he had the foresight to kind of ask what medications I was on. And I said, I was on birth control, you know, as, as many of us are shaking our heads when we were, you know, teens or whatever. And he was like, your risk of stroke, you've had 10 concussions. You can't be on this kind of birth control. Like, and I just remember being like, how did this get missed for so long? Like, we don't need a stroke on top of all of this, you know, and that I feel like that was like such a, uh, depending on like spirituality or religious, like it felt God sent that that doctor knew to bring it up. But it's, it's hard to kind of sometimes advocate for ourselves and to know what to look up or to know what to research when you're in the throes of things. And I think I'm so grateful for the six of us getting to connect today because it's like, I didn't know to ask some of those things. I didn't know, like I've learned so much from following Morgan just with some of the other like techniques and some of the, like Gamma Core I think is the one that you use. Like there's just so many things that I didn't know that even were out there or to ask about them or to explore certain symptoms. And that's why I'm just really glad that we can all talk and be like, let's pull resources. Like it's not talked about enough. Let's bring all of our fragile noggins together so we know what to look into. And I think this conversation ties in perfectly to the idea of, you know, embracing being female and having like, you know, female bodies, because it's difficult to associate a time of the month, which is so, you know, characteristic of having a uterus and presenting as a female, have it be so strongly associated with an intense week of misery. Like a lot of women outside of just having, um, you know, normal periods, now we have this amplified head pain and other symptoms that flare up during that time of the month. And so I'm curious to see how does everyone kind of cope with being female presenting and having a uterus and, you know, being like, I consider myself a feminist and really strong supporter of like, you know, women and all the, all the things that they can do and all that it means to be a woman in society today, and yet also hate something that makes me inherently 
women and female. And so how people approach that. And I see like emotions processing on the other panelists. So let's bring it on. What are you thinking? Well, I just feel like a complete mess and hate myself for being a woman, having migraine and everything for four days a month. Yes. And that's something I accepted that it just happens. It's not me. It's the hormones. It's not me. It's just the chemicals in my body have gone haywire. And then get back to being feminist and like girl power advocate. <laughs> I got the Beyonce song in my head and get back to business. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? How do you? The question is like, how in your mind do you balance like this female power, being a woman, being proud of being a woman, and embracing all of that? What that means, and then also hate, hating. Um, the time of the month and your menstrual cycle and literally screaming at my uterus sometimes of like, why are you, you know, making me miserable for an entire week? Because that is something that's so inherently is like characteristic of most female presenting people. So it's like, how do you have this dichotomy of like hating the thing that is included in being a woman, but also, you know, staying in that like female power, you know, mindset. Like I, I feel like just like Shruti just said, like I, I flip flop, like during that week, I'm like, I chose wrong at birth, like something wrong happened. <laughs> and then after it's over, I'm like, oh yeah, being female is awesome. Like we are so capable and like, so the community of women is like, there's nothing like it. When you find a group of women that you connect with, there's nothing that even comes close to that feeling. So I don't know. I flip flop back and forth. <laughs> well, look at it this way, Morgan. It's about you take off work, right? You go to work five days a week and you have a weekend. So like that, the week of the time of the month is your weekend from being a feminist. That's how I see it. I like that. I like that. You have permission to take some time off. (laughs) I think, I think we really, again, back to that grace that we give ourselves for any, any time, but when it's the time of the month, and we're experiencing more pain than usual, we need to give us that time of being like, okay, collecting myself, letting myself be miserable. And you know, if, if you have a, a male partner, you just look at them like, you don't have to endure this. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you don't understand how I feel. And sometimes I even feel like my cramps, I can endure any pain down here because the pain that happens up at my head is the worst that my body has ever felt. It's like when I got a tiny little paw print tattoo, I felt zero pain because my pain threshold now is completely different. <laughs> I so relate to that. People ask, I got six tattoos this month and they said, didn't it hurt? I said, I'm always in pain up here, so it doesn't matter really doesn't it hurt less than getting my eyebrows done so that that's something yeah <laughs> being, being patient with yourself is definitely um good being patient with yourself and um one thing i like doing is I, one, one thing i always say is eat a snickers you know the snicker commercial that turns you're not yourself you're yourself so i know myself right now so give me a minute <laughs> give me a second i need to eat a snickers i love snickers by the way i need to eat a snickers and um i'll be okay but I, I, I noticed that I'm very um, more lethargic. I'm more lethargic around that time. And it's like, I, 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 try, I try to push myself so much. But I tell myself, it's okay. It's okay to not get everything done. And I'm such an overachiever at times. And that, that pressure of 
being perfect, quote unquote perfect, and my and my standards is totally different than my other people's. But um, you know, it's the extra space and that that grace as the grace word comes up, and just um, it's okay. Then I get everything done. And just say, well, okay, it didn't get it didn't get done. Okay, whatever. It, it would get it would get done. It get done eventually. So when the time was right, it get done. But right, but the time period, I need some space. I need to get some things going on. Some things that happen right now here. And so you know, partner, then just give me give me give me a second, give me some space. So I think giving yourself space is the um, the important thing to do as well. And it's just reflecting and thinking how much your body is doing, mm-hmm. like especially during your time of the month how much your body is doing down here and then you know all of the things that's happening up here it's like wow even though i feel miserable and crampy and bloated and just gross like there's so much going on there's so much happening and that's when it comes back to that forgiveness of like okay let's just have my moment and then we can we can get right back to it well, I think you just touched on something that's really important that when it comes to body image as a whole when you're going through chronic illness of taking the idea of appreciating your body for what it looks like and just, no, no, erasing that. Like that, that doesn't matter. And shifting your focus to be all the things that your body does for you. Regardless of if you're able to get out of bed, your body is breathing for you. Your body is, you know, beating your heart. There's all these little cells working to keep you alive and give you energy to stay alive. And so regardless of it's like a basic cellular level or you're able to run a mile, right? Like being grateful and thankful and proud of your body for the things that it can do rather than what it looks like was a huge shift for me. I mean, I had weight gain, weight loss, like acne flares and my hair is falling out currently right now. Like I'm going through all of this physical stuff over the last five years since becoming chronically ill that I never expected to have to deal with in my 20s. And I used to be an athlete and was a varsity collegiate athlete and played varsity college tennis, and I can't do that anymore. And realizing that the things that you're physically capable of are going to change and your physical body is supposed to change, no one looks the same from birth to death, right? And so just looking at, wow, like my arms give really good hugs. Like I've been told I give great hugs, right? And like being grateful and proud of the fact that like I can provide physical comfort for someone and shifting your mindset around body image and what it looks like and shifting your focus body neutrality well positivity doesn't really matter yeah totally that's actually true i feel like you just gave me a virtual hug when you said that morgan (laughs) (laughs) we forget that migraine is actually like a coping mechanism of the brain to deal with something right and it's a way of that the brain's protecting us is what i've learned in therapy and with my neurologist brain's got a funny way of helping us but you still need to appreciate that it's actually doing something yeah. because of a trigger and in the best way that it knows how. As a neuroscientist, yes, I can tell you that your brain is it's like migraine is a hyper excitable state. And often with concussion, the same thing happens of like your brain thinks that there's danger. It thinks that there's something wrong and it's trying to tell you. And so it's really it's doing its best thing to help you. It doesn't understand the fact that it's sometimes absolutely torturing you. And so even in that mental shift, sometimes when I'm having a really bad attack, I remind myself that, okay, my brain just feels really unsafe right now. Like I need to figure out how to communicate safety and comfort and calm to mm-hmm. my nervous system. It won't take away an attack, mm-hmm. but it will help my ability to mentally endure an attack. And over time, it does help. Migraine and our brains aren't the enemy. And I feel like, you know, it feels like the enemy sometimes. Absolutely. 
I think when it all boils down to loving yourself in the totality of who you are, whether it's migraine, um, brain injury, whatever it is, loving yourself in the totality of who you are is the most important thing in the end. I'm just saying loving yourself in the totality of who you are, injury or not injury, concussion, migraine, whatever it is, just loving yourself and giving yourself that grace and that um, space to develop and who you are, because we were all still growing. We change every seven years. And so we're constantly changing, constantly evolving into different people. So that includes your moves, your, who you are as a person. Everything changes every seven years. So I just um, want us to be mindful of that and give ourselves more grace to um, let our hair down a little bit more, you know, have more fun, smile more, laugh more, have fun. You just need to stop trying to match up to someone else's speed, right? We're always trying to be like able-bodied women or you know, anybody else, if I even see another person with migraine doing better than me, I think, okay, we have the same disease and I'm not doing as much. And then I push myself hard, harder, but that's not how we should be because we all have different bodies. It comes down to that. We have different abilities and even machines are not made the same. So we just need to accept that. Just to piggyback on that thought, Trudy, People talk about a lot about the comparison game with other people online or in your life when you think, you know, they look perfect and it's obviously it's very posed. But I don't think what people not we touched a little bit on this in an earlier conversation, but just pulling this back into this idea of you don't have to compare yourself with your futures or with your past self. Um, You don't have to, you know, six years ago, I was in the best shape of my life and I probably will never get back to that level um, and being okay that I feel like a different person now and that's allowed and I don't have to compete with who I was or who I thought I should be now and meeting yourself in the moment and you know acceptance therapy has been really helpful or you know however you think that you can best reach that state of this is me I'm doing my best and that's okay and regardless of you know physical fitness or my looks or how I show up to other people from a visual perspective doesn't matter. Like I'm doing my best and that's okay. And I still have things to give that are so far beyond anything that I can offer physically. I think a a huge thing with that is I found, I constantly compared myself to my, my past. And I, since my latest concussion, I've gained 90 pounds. So my body has changed so much because you know, the research and the resources too, at the beginning of this one, you know, at first they were always said, stay in your dark room. Like don't, don't work out. And I used to be a runner and I (laughs) have not gone on a run in I don't know how many years. And I've learned like, that's okay. And I found different ways like yoga or being on a stationary bike where, you know, maybe if I'm listening to a or watching a class, I might not be like popping my head up and rattling it around like some, you know, go pretty hard on it. I'm just like stationary, keeping my head still, fueling myself with water. Or if I'm in a in-person yoga class, at first I was that type of person of like, oh yeah, I'm going to do every position. I'm going to like, yeah, I can totally rock myself up back and forth. And now I'm like, no, that's okay. There's, this is a judgment-free zone, you know, especially if you find a studio or a space that you feel comfortable in where I'm like, I know that triggers head pain. I know I can't do downward dog for the longest time. Maybe I have to go into a different position and it's just incredible when you find yourself on that journey 
of look at what your body's still doing for you. You can just have, you know, exercise or something physical in a different way. So I find it interesting that in life, we are always looking at moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other and we're moving forward. But for those of us with, let's say, trauma or chronic illness or any illness that even has a cure, the aim is always, I want to get back to who I was. And that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. You're driving yourself to go backwards. You're not growing. You're stuck. And that's just like a bad place to be in. It's a very sad place. So I think for all of us, the aim should be and for whoever's watching, right? Look at what I can do from here. I, I can be a better version of myself from here. I can never go back to who I was. And you cannot compare yourself to who you were because that was a completely different person. That was 10 years ago. It's like saying I want to have a Walkman or like the boom box again. It's not going to happen. I love that analogy. And I think something that really helped me as as a final thought here is allowing yourself and encouraging yourself to become curious about who you are becoming. It may not look like what you thought it was. It may not be the same as you were, but who are you becoming? You've gained all these experiences. You have you have so much more beyond just your illness and your physical capability. So get curious. Find out what you like now. What can you do now that you enjoy? And just open the doors and try to reduce the level of resistance for the fact that you may not be the person who you thought you were going to be. Maybe you're becoming even better. It goes to that growing, right? Like you're all supposed to grow. You're not supposed to stay the same person. I think of just my own views and opinions that have changed through, you know, maturing, coming up with your own ideas, your own thoughts, different than your family or the people you used to surround yourself with. And I think, you know, everyone that doesn't have a, a chronic illness or a physical limitation Everyone is growing in their own way, regardless. So why do we always harp on ourselves where we're a completely different person, maybe, but it's like, no, actually, I'm I'm glad I'm, I'm not that person from before, because I love who I am today. And I love how I can give myself grace and forgiveness and treat myself better. I always think about, you know, plants or flowers that come back every season, right? Every season, they look a little bit different. And then they are never comparing themselves to the flower that's right next door. They can be totally different, but equally beautiful. And so just giving yourself permission to like have that freedom to develop and grow as serves you in the moment. I want to say one thing. Not who you are is enough. You are enough just where you are. Whether you are, you are enough back then, you are enough, you're enough now, your future self will be enough as well. So knowing you're enough, regardless of the case, whatever it may be, you're enough in all stages, areas of life. So that's one thing I, I carry with myself that I am enough, no matter what anyone says about me. You're not, you're not going, going through, so you don't know. I don't know your journey, you don't know my journey. You know, my shoes are not your shoes. So just know that we're on our own indoor, individual races, you know, so and not and just saying that my, my line has been very um, detrimental in my life. So I took a lot of work here, but yeah. It's also been very beneficial. So know who you are, and whoever you are, you are enough. Just where you are. And can can you approve? If you want to approve, yes. If you don't approve, you're okay with who you are. Then it's, it's your life. So live your life. It's not live for other people. But you're you're good enough to where you are. Great. Well, I think we did it. <laughs> this. Uh, thank you all so much for for joining me today and saying your advice, your thoughts, and your your journeys. I think this is 
really like for me, I'm going to treasure this because sometimes it's funny when you're on a podcast or hosting and you find really great information from someone else, a different perspective. And you think, wow, I need to take that and I need to learn from that. And, you know, as we're forgetful, sometimes we forget these lessons and that's why it's great to be like, oh, what was that point that was made? And then come back and listen to that. Because I find even if, you know, you got to practice what you preach, there might be something that we say ourselves here. And then a week from now, we're like harping on ourselves and we go have to just reflect, take a second and be like, wait, I just gave this advice to others. I just told others, yeah, be patient with yourself. Why am I not doing that for myself? So I think this was all very valuable. And I hope our listeners today can walk away from these topics that we discussed and make sure that they, you know, step aside, reflect and love yourself, love your body and, you know, take the time to, to learn and, and grow. So thank you all so much for joining me today. This concludes our three-part series for International Women's Day. Thank you to our amazing panel, Beth, Morgan, Casey, Shruti, Erica. I'm so appreciative that these women could join me and give their insights. And thank you all so much for listening. Remember to rest that head of yours.